Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 909, get ready. Buckle up. Time for the what, John? Uh, it's the fastest hour in radio. You got that right, John Alzheimer, credit expert, formerly of FICO and Equifax. He is our credit guru. He holds the keys to the credit kingdom. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm okay, sir. We appreciate your time whenever you're here. And as always, I'll issue the standard warning. A lot of times you wait to call in with your question or text in your question at 504-260-1870, and we run out of time. And at 945, the questions just explode, so now's the time to get your credit question in. John, let's talk about credit scores, credit ratings. Why are they so important? Well, look, credit scores are still the basis of the majority of lending-related decisions in the U.S. And so despite um, kind of nonstop criticism of credit scoring models and credit reports, you can, you can love them, you can hate them, but you better get used to them because they're not going anywhere. And um, there are some 220, 230 million people in this country that have consumer credit reports and whenever they apply for something, the lender, service provider, tenant screening company, employer, insurance company, et cetera, are going to likely take a look at those credit reports and use them to base a decision. Credit rating, credit score, difference? Uh, very much so. So a credit score, I, I think the term credit score and credit report and credit reporting agency and credit rating agency are used interchangeably, but mm-hmm. that's not really correct. So a credit reporting agency, which is where a credit score comes from, those are going to be the Equifaxes, the TransUnions, and the experience of the world, and that's where your FICO Advantage score credit scores are going to come from. The credit rating agencies are Standard & Poor's, Moody's, and Fitch. And a credit rating is essentially something that um, rates the, the credit risk of a company or a country or a state. So um, they're, they're definitely not the same thing, even though the terms are used interchangeably. Let's talk about some numbers. What's a good number? What's a bad number as it relates to credit score? Yeah, so I I love that. That's one of my favorite questions because the answer is going to be variable based on who's asking it. Mm -hmm. So in in the world of mortgages, the best interest rates, the best published interest rates for mortgages are going to be are for people who have FICO 760 and above. The best interest rates for auto loans are going to be 720 and above. Obviously, you can get a credit card with scores much lower than that. But if you really want to guarantee yourself the best 
deals, the most competitive deals from auto lenders, mortgage lenders, you, you really need to have scores in the 760 and above. And that really puts you kind of in the safe zone for all types of credit. Understanding, Tommy, that you don't need a 760 to get a home. You don't need a 720 to get a car. You can still get those things with scores lower than that. You're just unlikely to get the best deal that the lenders have to offer. Now, I'm not trying to brag here, but I, I checked it, mine, because, you know, you say everybody should check theirs. And mine's either 857 or 875. I got the numbers confused at the end, and I'm not trying to brag because that's what people, you say, that have those kind of credit scores, if they ask if there's a problem, do. Is there a reason why I wouldn't have a perfect score, or should I even look into that or not really? Yeah, having a perfect score is, first off, it's unnecessary. That's 900, John? Well, depending on the scoring model. Some scoring models, it's 850. All right. Some scoring models, it's 900. Um, really, if you're in the mid-700s, you're golden, and you know lenders are going to be throwing money at you left and right with really competitive terms. And so you certainly don't need a perfect score. I don't have a perfect score, and I understand how the system works because I don't stress out about that. And in order to have a perfect score, you need to think of a test that has a 1,000 questions, mm-hmm. and you, you would need to get all the 1,000 questions answered correctly in order to earn a perfect score. It's certainly unnecessary. And even if you miss just one of the questions, you're going to have something below the perfect score. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't stress out about that. The average credit score in this country is actually 716. So, which is a pretty good score, generally speaking. I think, I think people certainly wouldn't guess that 716 is the average, but, but it is. Uh, and the average score gets you a pretty decent deal on almost anything. So that's 130 some odd points off the perfect score. So, so it kind of underscores the, um, the, the, the importance of not focusing so much on nailing the perfect score and just getting as high of a score as you can. So with my 850 or 870, whatever it is, I'm a big old swinging borrower, right? You are a big old swinging borrower. And as long as you have the income, so in other words, if, if you walked into a lender and you wanted to borrow money to buy a car or borrow money to buy a home, I mean, obviously there's, there's more to it than just a credit score. The credit score predicts one very unique thing, and that's the likelihood of you making your payments on time. That's it. It doesn't predict anything else. It doesn't predict whether or not you have the money to afford a payment. It doesn't predict the value of a home. that you're. It doesn't predict any of those things. It predicts only whether or not you're likely to make your payments. And so while lenders obviously are extremely concerned about that, they also need to know things like what is your income so they understand whether or not you even have the capability mm-hmm. of making a payment every single month, even though your credit score indicates that you will make your payment if you have the capability of doing so. And then, of course, in the mortgage world, um, there's something called the loan-to-value ratio, which means that if you're buying a home, that's worth $200,000, a lender's not going to let you borrow $300,000 to buy that home because it's out of whack. So as long as things like your credit score, your loan-to-value ratios, and your income are all in good shape, then you're, you're going to you're, – even today in today's kind of weird economy, um, you're still in good shape from a lending perspective. All right, we're underway. Questions when we come back, 504-260-1870. They're beginning to pour in. 
If you have any questions about your credit, any issues, problems, how does it work, what can affect it, what can help it, what can hurt it, that's a number. And if it's a complicated question, you may want to call in and we'll take your call, 504-260-1870. That's also the number, the Oak Corner Jeweler Talk and Text Line, to which you can text your question for John Alzheimer, fastest hour in radio, credit expert, formerly of FICO and Equifax. He holds the keys to the credit kingdom, and he'll share his advice when we come back here on WWL. 924, it is the fastest hour in radio. John Alzheimer, credit expert, formerly of FICO and Equifax. He holds the keys to the credit kingdom, and he'll share his knowledge with you if you have any questions or issues about what can affect your credit, how to fix it, what can damage it. 504-260-1870, the Oakland Heart Jeweler Talk and Text Line. And as always, I would ask you... Don't wait till the last minute or you're going to get shut out. Um, here we go. What recommendations do you have for obtaining a letter of deletion from a credit card company? Uh, well, if the well, first off, if the credit card company has deleted something, that gen- Tommy, that generally means from your credit report, um, okay. then all you have to do is pull your three credit reports and you'll have the best evidence that exists, which is three credit reports that do not have whatever it was that the credit card issuer promised to delete. Now, if you're trying to get that letter, meaning that you're asking the lender to delete a late payment, this applies to credit card issuers or or anybody that furnishes information to the credit bureaus, and they are willing to delete something from your credit reports, then generally they will do that directly with the credit reporting agencies. There's actually a system and a process set up that's decades old where they would electronically request a deletion of something from a credit report, either a late payment, a balance, the account in its entirety, whatever it may be. The letter would simply be just a validation to the consumer, presumably the former debtor, um, that indicates that the lender has made a request to the credit reporting agencies to remove something from a credit report. And, and really, that's, it's as simple as just asking the lender for that letter. Now, I, that doesn't mean that they're going to give you that letter, but certainly if you're asking for that letter, uh, then you would want to go directly to the lender for the letter. But I would go to, to the credit reporting agencies because that's ground zero with respect to whether or not something has actually been removed from your credit reports is just getting copies of those reports to where you can actually see with your own eyes that something has been removed. A little inside terminology here when you apply for a credit card. Is it a soft credit pull or hard that would affect your credit? And maybe you can tell us about those two different things, John. Yeah, yeah. So whenever a lender, well, whenever any anybody or any entity accesses your credit report, that's referred to as a credit inquiry. And so the credit, a credit inquiry is a noun and a verb. The verb is the process whereby you or a lender or an insurance company goes in and pulls your credit report. The noun is the little is the record of them doing so, and that is referred to also as a credit inquiry. If you a, if you affirmatively apply for a credit card with a credit card issuer, that is very likely going to result in a hard pull. A hard pull, uh, and there's exceptions obviously, but a hard pull generally means you have overtly applied for some form of credit, meaning that you applied for a credit card, a credit line increase, a home equity loan, a mortgage, an apartment. You applied for something and you um, either filled out a a document or you verbally gave permission for some party to pull a credit report. And the hard inquiry indicates that you've done so. A soft inquiry is very different. A soft inquiry, which number one, is not visible to anybody, meaning no one can see it other than you. Credit scoring systems can't see them. 
Other lenders can't see them. Only you can see them as the consumer. A soft inquiry means that either some company is trying to uh, prospect and invite you to apply for something or has offered you, uh, made you some sort of a firm offer of credit or insurance. Usually that's referred to as junk mail. That usually is what fills up your mailboxes. Um, Or one of your existing creditors is doing their normal monthly account maintenance and they're accessing your credit reports through the account maintenance um, facility. That always leaves behind a soft inquiry. So while you may see dozens of those all over your credit reports, you can rest assured that none of those are seen by credit scoring systems and no lenders can see those either. So a little little hard and soft inquiry 101 for the audience. Hi, my credit score dropped below 700 for medical collections. How do I get it back up? It was over 800. Yeah, so here's the good news. I mean, medical collections have fallen out of favor with pretty much everybody. Um, so number one, if you if, if that eventually is paid by your insurance policy, it will be removed from your credit reports, which obviously is good. Number two, if you pay or settle that medical collection, meaning that your insurance company is not going to pay it, uh, and if you pay or settle it and then the balance is updated to zero, it will be removed from your credit reports. Um, the newest version, the most contemporary versions of credit scoring systems really don't like medical collections. So they either discount them or ignore them entirely. And so the, the news is generally good as it pertains to medical collections. Sometime this year, and the credit reporting agencies have been non-committal with respect to a date, um, they are going to remove all medical collections from credit reports if they have a balance under $500. And so I don't, I don't know if the caller or the emailer indicated what the balance was on the medical collection, but if it's under $500, then it, you know, it's dead man walking right now, meaning that it's, it's just a matter of time before that thing is removed, even if you don't pay it. Texter, uh, and I presume, John, this is when a, there's a dispute with the insurance company and the patient over who's paying what or even the doctor's office, and how is it better to go ahead and pay it and then fight it out with the insurance company to avoid being put in the collections in the first place? So here, so yeah, so if we would have been having this conversation five years ago, Tommy, that's exactly what I, what, what I would have suggested. Mm-hmm. I, I would have suggested that you, you choose to lose the battle, but continue to win the war, meaning pay the damn thing and then go after, and then go start rolling after the insurance company to get them to pay you back. And then that way you protect your credit reports for many medical collections. T- today, I might give different advice. And the reason I would give different advice is because the credit reporting industry has essentially told all medical debt collectors, and there's a lot of them out there, has told all medical debt collectors, do not report any medical collections to us for one year, meaning that um, one year from the default with the doctor's office. And so if you went and had services provided and you, and you got a bill from the doctor's office and you're like, whoa, 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 my insurance policy is supposed to pay this. I'm not paying this and your account goes into default with the medical service provider, then you can essentially start a clock, and 12 months from that date will be the the earliest that a medical debt collector can report that to the credit reporting agency. So you really have kind of a built-in 12-month grace period to work with the insurance companies to try to get this thing paid so that it never needs to go to a medical debt collector. And that's really where that, that's the, that's the reason why that 12 months now exists is because um, 
so many medical collections were ending up on credit reports that were not because the consumer was refusing to pay them, but because, and I'm not, I'm sure, certainly I'm not speaking out of school here, the insurance claim process is inefficient Mm -hmm. and it would take months for the doctors to get paid and they wanted to get paid. And so they were outsourcing these debts to collectors, you know, fairly quickly while the industry, the credit industry, which most people are critical of, this is actually something they've done. that's very consumer friendly. They basically said, we don't want these things. A, if they're under 500 bucks and B, we don't want them for at least 12 months. So I, I would suggest to the emailer or the texter, that if this has just occurred, I, I would suggest that you've got, you know, well into next year before this thing may end up on your credit report. And so I would go ahead and get to work with your insurance company. Maybe maybe you'll never be on your credit reports in the first place. I've never challenged anything. It's just my own personal anecdotal uh, story. But that between insurance company and doctor's office where they weren't right. It didn't seem like it was right to me, and it didn't seem fair, but that's that's what the rules said. That's what the policy said, et cetera. Um, I've fallen on hard times, says this text, and I'm nearing a maxed credit card. Is there anything I can do to protect my credit while I try to right the ship? Yeah, so number one. Uh- Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast baseball is in full swing nba playoffs are heating up and your nfl team is gearing up for training camp listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the odyssey app the biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app um first of all i'm I'm sorry to hear about your circumstance the here's the if you've maxed out a credit card that's one problem because right now your debt is being is very expensive the to service. Rate, right? Yeah, crazy. the interest rate on credit cards, the average interest rate on credit cards is around eighteen percent. That's that's very expensive. So you're servicing your debt right now is very expensive. But at the very least, you, you've got to make that minimum payment every every single month, which is only about two to two and a half percent of what your balance is. And so even though you may it may sting 
that that's the best way to protect your credit in the long run is to never, ever let this thing go into some sort of late payment status and certainly never get into a defaulted status because then you can't get it out of that or it'll always be in default and it'll sit there for the next seven years. Um, if you've got a ton of credit card debt there, and I don't know what the local one is there in, in Louisiana, but there are, um, you know, the consumer credit counseling services, the nonprofit debt management companies. I'm not talking about debt settlement or credit repair. I'm talking about the legitimate nonprofit financial counseling companies that usually operate under the National Foundation for Credit Counseling brand. They're the ones who can set you up with a debt management program where they'll work with your credit card issuers to get the interest waived, to get the monthly payments lowered. And you actually will go into these programs for three to four years and you'll make your, your payment and it'll be much lower than what you should be paying. And in exchange for you doing this and not filing bankruptcy, the credit card issuer will waive interest. They won't report you delinquent to the credit reporting agencies. And once you come out of these debt management programs, number one, you have no credit card debt. And number two, you still have sterling credit, which is a win-win, obviously, for everybody involved. I will take a break, pick it up here. My heart goes out to that person as well. And it was not that long ago going through a divorce, well, maybe 10 years. Well, I remember sitting in a car, John, being denied $40 of credit. The card was maxed out to bring some type of bakery item in somebody's house for the holidays. And that's a devastating feeling when you call a credit card company. It's like, no, we can't help you. And you got it's just a bad spot to be in. So just hang in there and try to protect your credit as much as you can. And it will turn around. It will get better. 935, 25 till 10, 504-260-1870. The credit guru is with us, John Alzheimer. Text in any questions you have or call. We'll come to you, Arthur, in a second. It's got a mortgage question. Right now it's time for traffic on WWE. 940, 20 till 10, Tommy Tucker, WWL. Quickly back to John Alzheimer, credit expert, formerly of FICO and Equifax. 504-260-187. If you got any questions about your credit score, he's with us until, oh, I'd say maybe 15, 17 more minutes. Arthur, New Orleans, hi, you're on WWL. You're talking to John. What's up? Hey, good morning. I just had a question. Nine years and six months ago, I filed bankruptcy. I had a mortgage. I kept my mortgage, never missed a payment as of to date. But it was not, and it's still not being reported to the credit bureau. Can you tell me why or what can I do about that? Well, so, A, I, had, I assume it was a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. If not, let me know. But the good news is, is that you got about six more months before that thing has to be removed from your credit reports if it's, uh, if it's a Chapter 7. So that's a little bit of, of good news. So the credit reporting process is voluntary, meaning that, there are, there are about 14,000 companies that furnish information to the credit reporting agencies every single month, and every single one of them does so voluntarily. There's no law. There's no rule. There's nothing that um, forces any particular company, including your mortgage lenders or mortgage servicers, to furnish any information for the credit reporting agencies. So if something is not on a credit report, you can certainly ask them to begin furnishing that information, but you're not going to be able to force them to do so because of the voluntary nature of the system. All right, Arthur. Thank you. All right, you bet. Um, somebody texted in. Can you ask John, how many credit cards should you have open, leave open rather, if you have them paid off? All of them. Don't ever close them. And here's why. So number one, you have, and I already know what people are yelling at the phone right now because I hear this baloney all the time, but what about identity theft? What about fraud? 
you have no liability for credit card fraud, zero. No one, no one, unless they've never reported it, no one has ever lost a penny because they've been the victim of credit card fraud. You have, um, there's a cap on your liability because of the Fair Credit Billing Act and all of the major credit card networks, Amex, Discover, Visa, MasterCard, all have zero liability policies. So you can leave all your credit cards open and if someone fraudulently uses them, you're not liable for any of the charges. So, that, so don't, don't worry about that as an, as an issue. So by leaving your credit cards open and unused, if you choose to not use them, then you're leaving a um, considerable amount of what's called open to buy or credit limit on your credit reports. Credit scoring systems like to see a lot of available credit card credit limits relative to your balances. If you were to close all of those accounts that you're not using, you would lose the value of all those unused credit limits in your credit score. And so that the ratio or the relationship between your balances and your credit limits would go up simply by doing nothing other than closing a bunch of your unused accounts. And that may cause your credit score to go down. So I always suggest that unless you just know that you're not going to be able to avoid overspending on those credit cards, meaning that you just, you know, it's almost like you're a credit card alcoholic to some extent, mm-hmm. then leave them open because you're always going to get the value of that unused limit. And again, you have no liability issues with respect to fraudulent use. Leave them open, put them in a safe place at home and don't use them. You know what you could do, Tommy? Mm. What I always tell people is run them through a shredder. And Mm. um, so now the physical card doesn't exist any longer, so it can't be stolen by anybody. Mm -hmm. No one knows what the card number is because you're not getting statements every single month because you have no balance. And if you ever want to begin using the card again, just call the card issuer and ask them to send you a replacement card. So you have eliminated almost all chances of fraudulent use and even legitimate use because the card doesn't exist anymore. And, 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 but you've also not eliminated the account, which is really what you want to do. Leave the account open. I purchased the car last year, and for the purchase of the vehicle, my credit was pulled from three or four different places for the same thing, I guess, as they shopped for the car. Is that legal, and how can I get the additional inquiries removed since it was only purchased through one of the lenders? Yeah, that's called shotgunning. And there is... There are teams on both sides of the field with respect to that issue and whether or not it is legal. Um, there, is a, there is a good argument that because you are on the lot and you have expressed interest in buying a car and you've expe- expressed interest in financing the car, that the finance and insurance manager, which is generally referred to as the F&I guy, the finance and insurance manager has essentially asked their various lending partners, it's called indirect lending, indirect lending partners to give them quotes for financing an automobile purchase for you. Um, What that generally uh, results in is multiple lenders pulling your credit reports, usually either on the same day or within a day or two of each other, um, which means that you're going to have multiple credit uh, auto loan inquiries on your credit report. So there's a really good argument that because you expressed interest in financing that all of those inquiries are perfectly legal because the lenders had a permissible reason to pull your credit report. But, but the, what, what about that, John? If, if I'm going to go out looking for a car and I'm going to a dealership, should I tell them right out, don't even give my name, Should I, or about pulling a credit? Look, I don't want you to do any of this. I'm just kicking tires. How do you handle that? Yeah, of course. If you're if, first off, you'll never talk to the finance and insurance manager if you're just taking test drives and you're trying to figure out what kind of car you want to buy. 
when, when you get in front of the F&I manager, it's because you, you, you're purchasing a car and you've got a bunch of paperwork that you've got to fill out. The F&I guy isn't, isn't the person that goes on the test drive with you. That's the salesperson. So if you do not want anyone to look at your credit report, and, or if you want to pay cash for the car, um, or if you have your own financing, meaning that you've gone to your bank or your credit union and you've said, hey, I want to buy a car, can you pre-approve me for some amount? And then I'll go out and find my own car and I'll bring my own. You're bring, essentially, you're bringing your own financing. So mm-hmm. all of those things circumvent the need for anybody to pull your credit at the dealership because you've already got your financing either through a bank or credit union or your checkbook, and you don't need them to do that. So certainly you can tell them, look, I've, I've got my own financing. Don't pull my credit. And if they do so, then they've got a problem because that is an impermissible access into a credit report, and that's obviously where they start getting into trouble. But it, so, so here, here's the kind of the safety net with respect to all that. Um, both FICOs and credit scoring systems know what has happened. They know that you're shopping around for the best deal on a car loan. They know you're not buying four cars. So all of these credit scoring systems have been designed with logic that if there are multiple auto-related inquiries that have occurred within a 45-day period, the scoring system assumes that you're just looking around for the best interest rate, and it only counts those multiple inquiries as one inquiry for scoring purposes, which is, which is correct, right? You're, you're looking for one car loan, which means that counting them as one inquiry is in line with what the consumer's intention was. So, And that logic has, has been around since before the turn of the century, so, so your credit reports have long been protected from that shotgunning process. Don't know if your guests can help me. I paid my final bill with my cable internet provider placed in collections for breaking the contract. Uh, well, I mean, what does he need help with? I mean, if you had a contract for X number of months and you broke your contract, it's the same thing as, as leaving an apartment before your lease is fully paid out. You've broken your contract. You've got to pay them out. You've got to pay them out. So what what generally happens in that scenario is the service provider will outsource the collection of that to a third-party debt collector. Same type of organization, Tommy, we talked about earlier with the medical debt collections. Um, And they're going to, you know, they're going to start sending you letters. They're going to start calling you. They're probably going to stick it on your credit reports. I mean, there is no help, quote-unquote help, if you break your contract, right? Um, That's why contracts exist is because it, it holds two parties um, it binds them legally to their agreements with respect to the language and the contract so if you owe some company x dollars because of a contract then you you should pay that company x dollars because of your contract and then you'll never have to worry about things like debt collectors thoughts on credit tracking apps such as credit karma etc is there a best one scores vary between these apps and the actual hard pull they do vary between those apps. Um, there are literally dozens and dozens and dozens of companies that do this. Um, Credit Karma is obviously very well known because they have a massive advertising budget. Uh, there, there are a lot of other companies. Uh, your bank probably does it as well. A lot of banks and credit card issuers have relationships with FICO, and there's a program that they have had in place for many years called Open Access. And through FICO's open access program, your lender can actually give you the FICO scores that they are getting from the credit bureaus every single month for account management purposes. Those are the soft inquiries we talked about earlier. And so you could actually track your legitimate FICO scores through your legitimate bank 
um, either through your app or some, some of them will send it to you on your statement every single month. Discover, Amex, Chase, Cap One, I mean, you name it. There, there's, there's literally dozens and dozens of well-known and reputable lenders that do this. So how often should you check your credit score and how can you do it safely, John? Well, I mean, how important is it to you, right? So if you consider your credit to be important, and it's too, it, you know, in my mind, it's too important to turn your back on for any extended period of time. The credit reporting agencies allow you to pull your credit reports once a week for free through annualcreditreport.com. That's correct. That wasn't a miss. I didn't misspeak. Once a week, if you choose to do so. So you can pull your credit reports 52 times a year if you're truly that interested in doing so. You know, I, I like checking them maybe once every couple of months, and then that way. You know, it's a, I agree. It's a little bit like watching grass grow. There's not that much that's changing in the credit reports. Your balances may go up or down a little bit, and you may have a new inquiry from time to time. But generally speaking, unless you're in the middle of buying something like the car, or if you're in the middle of like credit no man's land, then your credit reports really aren't changing that month that much. But again, they're too important to ignore. So I like the idea of maybe once every couple of months. And you should never have to pay to do so because the credit bureaus let you do it once a week for free. Somebody else texted in about uh, responding to a pre-approved credit card offer. Does mm-hmm. that hurt your credit? Does it help it? Is it a hard pull? Talk me through that. Yeah, it's interesting. That is a soft pull that becomes a hard pull. So what, what that question is referring to is something called prospecting or pre-screening. And what mm-hmm. that is – so. Today, when everyone gets home from work, you're going to check your mail, and in your mailbox, there's going to be at least one uh, offer of credit from some credit card issuer. Some of you are going to have more than one. Some of you get tons of them. That, those are referred to as pre-approved offers of credit. If you look at the small print on the back of the last page, you'll, you can, there's a disclosure that's likely there that indicates that um, you can actually opt out of that process and prevent your name from essentially being sold to credit card issuers for this prospecting process. Because you've been quote unquote pre-screened, that leaves a soft inquiry on your credit report because your credit report was in fact pulled as part of the process. Now, this is perfectly legal, so don't start freaking out about this because it's perfectly legal for them to do this. Now, if you fill out that that, um, that, uh, pre-approved offer of credit and then send it back into the card issuer, then they're going to pull what's called a back-end credit report. That is a hard pull. So in this scenario, the soft pull eventually led to the hard pull. Obviously, a hard pull can lead to a lower score. Obviously, opening a new account can lead to a lower score. It can also lead to a higher score. Uh, if you max out the card, it can lead to a so, – so there's, it's variable as to what the impact to your score is going to be depending on how you manage the account. But at the very least, you're, you're going to turn a soft inquiry – um, into into eventually down the road a, a hard inquiry. Final note, if you're at a department store and they say, hey, we'll give you 10% off if you open an account with us, that can affect your credit rating. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, I know people are, get all excited when they you know, want to save 10 or 15% on their purchases, but you're essentially using your credit report as an unsophisticated coupon, which I don't like. Um, if you already have a pre-existing credit card, I can assure you every retailer that you go to will happily accept your Amex, your Visa, your MasterCard, or your Discover. Um, you don't need to open a, an account with them in order to buy stuff from them. 
So I, I don't like that idea. You do load up with inquiries. You lower the average age of your accounts, and those are all things that can lead to lower scores. John, I appreciate your time. It was the fastest hour in radio. We'll talk to you again soon. John Alzheimer, credit expert, formerly of FICO and Equifax. 9.54 and a half. Take a break. Find out what Noel Norman's got planned for us when we come back here on WWL. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.